Welcome to the first episode of What's That Sound? I'm your host, Elliot, and today we're going to be examining one of my all-time favorite albums. It's called How to Be a Human Being by The Glass Animals. Uh, Glass Animals are an indie pop rock group, and as we'll soon learn, they're not really confined to a particular genre. They have very funky and quirky melodies, harmonies, and rhythms, uh, and this continues throughout all of their music. Uh, today I'm going to be covering three of their tracks from the album, and in my attempt to do justice to the musical artistry, I will comment on the musical elements of these tracks, take a closer look at uh, the music as a whole, and then see how successful Glass Animals are at delivering their overall message. Now something I want to point out before we even dive into the music, and something that I find really cool about this album is when it came out in 2016, the album cover was, and still is, uh, 11 characters sort of lined up, either standing or sitting, and they're all very different from one another. There's a man in a Speedo, uh, a woman sitting in a, walkie, a walker, there's a little kid on a tricycle. Uh, everyone's very contrasting and different. And funny enough, there are 11 songs on the album. Each song relates to one of the characters on this album cover. But what I find really fun about this is that uh, the Glass Animals never actually released which song coordinates which, with which character. So it's really up for the interpretation of the listener to kind of make their own decisions based on the music they hear and what message each song portrays. And th this is really um, held true with something that Dave Bailey, who's their lead singer, he, he made a comment about the interpretation of his music and he says each person's interpretation is 100% important. It's much more interesting for everyone that way. So a really nice little touch by the Glass Animals, especially with this album. Uh, and so let's dive right in. So a theme that we're going to be seeing throughout all of this music is just how eclectic the sounds are. And we're just going to start right at the top of the album with the first track. It's titled Life Itself. Now, Life Itself uh, follows a pretty standard pop form, uh, verse, pre-chorus, chorus, etc. Uh, but this is about the only predictable or mainstream thing about this song, and, and the fact that this is true is immediately clear as soon as the song begins. The introduction, it's, uh, it's eight seconds long, and there are these strumming sound effects followed by a plucking sitar, both uh, somewhat unconventional in pop music, and it definitely cues the listener to the bizarre eclectic journey they're about to embark on and uh, gives the almost the advice to throw out all kind of pop preconceptions and prepare for this full new uh, experience that glass animals are going to uh, deliver. So take a listen to this just these first eight seconds. You, you'll really see what I'm talking about here. Some really funky sounds already. That's just eight seconds. Imagine what they can do with five minutes, let alone the entire album. Now, after this introduction, uh, eight seconds in, the drums begin, and they have a very strong rhythm, and they almost sound like 
uh, jungle drums, if you will, uh, and it's like almost running through a jungle. It's another wacky, unconventional sound, and it sort of clashes the, the sound of the strumming sitar uh, and continues to provide uh, these very uh, eclectic um, yet energetic ideas. Here, take a listen to the drums. Uh, I'll rewind a little bit so you can hear the beginning and then we'll launch into the drums. Here we go, the part we just listened to, some strumming, the sitar. We hear some funny sound effects and hear the drums. So these drums are maintained basically throughout the entire song. They're cut out at a couple times for dramatic effect and to isolate a couple of lyrics that we'll touch on. Uh, but these, this drum rhythm keeps the forward mo movement throughout the entire song and, and definitely adds to this theme of somewhat unconventional, bizarre sounds. These drums continue for about 50 seconds uh, up until the first vocals come in. And in, and in that 50 seconds or so, uh, we get uh, the first sense of a chord progression as synths begin layering, creating some ambient noise, a little bit of uh, synth melody just in the background. But you definitely get the sense that this is in a minor key, and that adds a little bit of uneasiness, a little bit of instability. You hear a minor, and, and it's a little off-putting. And as we'll see, this is very intentional uh, based on what the lyrics uh, have to deliver. Dave Bailey's vocalization uh, comes in at around the 52 second mark. And the most striking thing at first is just how subdued the actual timbre of his voice is. It's a stark contrast to these funky sounds that we're just getting used to. It's very quiet, conversational. He's in the middle register uh, and it's, it's really, um, he's not doing anything crazy. But at the same time, you can tell he's extremely talented by just how clean his voice is. He has some a very interesting timbre. I'll play it for you here so you can just get a sense of what I'm talking about. This is the beginning of verse one at around 50 seconds. So it's a little hoarse, it's a little quiet, uh, whispery, uh, and this contrasts the sounds that we're getting used to. Uh, interestingly enough, though, the timbre of his voice doesn't really match the lyrics. So the lyrics follow this character who's a quirky guy and he doesn't really fit into society. He might be a bit of an oddball and the lyrics uh, really represent this character. For example, uh, I can't get a job so I live with my mom. That uh, goes against society norms, if you will. I sit in the car and listen to static. I mean, that's very odd. You sit in the car and listen to static uh, so this character is now agreeing with the original timbre and texture of the music, uh, although the projection of Bailey's voice doesn't exactly follow. So these contrasts are very interesting. It keeps the listener on the edge of their seat. Now we start to get a little bit uncomfortable with this character. Uh, he's obviously having some difficulties, and then the chorus kicks in, and it's just a couple of lines repeated uh, one of them being cut back down to the knees, which I interpret as uh, society being ruthless and, and shutting uh, this character down for being somewhat peculiar. And the texture and the timbre of the music emphasize this point. There's lots of synth ambient noises going on in the chorus, and it's, it's almost like a dissonant sound because there's just so many 
uh, different synth patterns going on, it adds to the discomfort. Uh, so let me play that part for you now and, and so I can show you what I'm talking about. Hear all those background so sounds sort of joining together and, and making them somewhat uh, messy, but it's successful sound to accompany the chorus. It's clear when listening to this track that uh, there's really just a lot of artistry that's going into it, and it seems like a lot of experimentation, and that experimentation turns out to be a very successful, successful metaphor for humanity and the journey of life and how it's hectic and there's a convoluted nature to traversing uh, the complicated ins and outs of life. I wanted to wrap up this song by uh, agreeing with journalist Tom Connick, DIY Magazine, that made the statement, life itself is evidence that glass animals are ready to break free, a flamboyant swan dive into the deep and shimmering lagoon of pop perfection. I couldn't agree more. Let's see if more songs on this album are just as successful. Let's move on to the fourth track of the album, titled Pork Soda. Now, the introduction to this song uh, is really, really neat. Uh, the way that they pull this off, there starts with some ambient noise, which uh, you soon identify as uh, perhaps a, a city. The background you would hear walking down the city, there's honking, there's breaks, and uh, then you start to recognize a tapping sound, like a rhythm, and then they're singing. Listen to how cool this sounds. You can hear the tapping there, immediately grab your attention. There's talking, different sounds. Here we have some singing. And after listening to the song, you realize that's actually the chorus. So they've started with the chorus in this song, which I find really neat. So uh, the rhythm is a really important part of the song. Uh, that's immediately uh, obvious when the tapping rises to the front of our attention through that ambient section. Uh, and then uh, right after that introduction, between the first verse and this introduction, there's a period of instrumental where the beat is laid out, there's a little bit of chord progression, and the synthesizer, uh, the beat is really strong, and the synthesizer falls on the beat, uh, which really drives home this feeling of rhythm and forward motion, and how that's a very important part of the song. Here, take a listen. Now, on top of the underlying rhythm that is such a large part of the song, the other major component is the vocal timbre, which changes three times or uh, alternates between three different variations of timbre uh, throughout. There's the first verse, which is very subdued timbre, and it's, it's very similar to life itself. It seems almost spoken or whispered, and it's very pleasant to hear. And then the pre-chorus uh, is then sung, but in a very small register. Again, middle of the piano, uh, not a lot of variation of pitch. And then the chorus, 
the pitch is much, much wider. Uh, Bailey hits really high notes that we haven't heard him hit yet uh, in this song. And so these three contrasts make the song uh, just more interesting. So let me give you an example of these three different timbres. Uh, first, I'll play the more spoken, uh, breathy uh, vocals. Very uh, middle of the piano, very spoken. Okay, and here's the second example in the pre-chorus. You can hear there's a little bit more pitch there. It makes it a little bit more interesting. It's slightly more dynamic. And then uh, here comes the chorus. You're going to hear he really hits higher notes that he hasn't hit for this whole song. Alrighty, here we go. here though through these three different timbres this progression we still have that strong underlying rhythm those beats and those synths to really drive the song forward. Gloss End will do something really cool towards the uh, end of verse 2 uh, and between verse 2 and the chorus there's a little bit of an instrumental interlude but at the end right at the end of verse 2 uh, there's a somebody says stop music cuts the clapping resumes and it gets back into the music. Here, have a listen. It's really cool sound. And here's that beat. The beat's back. Despite not really having any melody, there's a little bit of harmony. We have that rhythm that uh, we can find a lot of comfort in. So the character that this song follows uh, seems to be somebody who desires a former lover. And that's what the lyrics say, at least. Uh, you know, the pre-chorus is, why can't we laugh now like we did then? Um, how come I, you only look pleased in bed? You know, really craving, I guess, this former relationship. And that's uh, cannot be attained right now. Uh, but something that it comes through in the music alongside the lyrics is a building tension throughout the song. Uh, we get the sense that uh, this uh, character is becoming frustrated or exasperated. Verse one, uh, up until the the first chorus, uh, is is a clean it's clean music, and then verse two suddenly the the main character starts dropping f bombs at every other line. This tends to indicate some sort of frustration. And then the bridge uh, has much shorter, choppier lines, and the ambient music picks up substantially. There's more texture, which kind of uh, indicates a crescendo, a climax of perhaps exasperation. Uh, here's the part I'm talking about in the bridge. You'll hear uh, much more ambient sounds than we have heard the entire song. sort of the all these background sounds that we're not used to they did the first verses and choruses and pre-chorus they didn't have this kind of sounds in them so there's this sense of frustration building overall pork soda is a really cool song glass animals continue to experiment with these funky eclectic sounds and 
sort of paint the picture of these characters, not only through the lyrics, but through the music that accompanied the lyrics. I'd like to finalize this discussion on how to be a human being with the final track, track 11, titled Agnes. Uh, this song contrasts uh, the album leading up to it distinctly in the, the tone and um, the story and the character in that it's extremely emotional. It's by far the most um, serious song on the album. Uh, and this is evident through not only the lyrics, but uh, the musical elements uh, that make up the song. As we'll get into this, you'll see that there's a very serious tone. The instrumentation indicates sadness, and the lyrics are shockingly powerful and beautiful. This follows a character dealing with uh, a close friend or perhaps even a lover committing suicide and uh, this the reflection of this character on uh, that event. So right off the bat we hear a very subdued percussion, something we're not totally used to based on the song leading up to Agnes. Uh, it's very mellow, and we hear uh, a, another synth that we've grown to be familiar with, but again, the, the timbre is uh, melancholy. And then we hear piano, which is possibly the first time we hear the piano. You can hear it here, perhaps in the whole album, uh, which indicates sort of a very serious uh, tone. Ultimately, Bailey comes in with timbre that's very quiet and melancholy and emotional and begins to paint this picture of this character. Throughout the first verse, there isn't really a huge indication on what the song's about. You understand that there's a character in distress, uh, a couple of lyrics that indicate this uh, calm down now, stop and breathe a second, maybe a smoke to clear the head. Obviously, there's something going on, but it's not immediately evident what that is. Uh, and then suddenly the pre-chorus is where the drama kicks in when it becomes more emotional. Your head is so numb, that nervous breath you try to hide. Uh, and then at the end, to be reborn, I want to hold you like your mind. And during the pre-chorus, something the glass animals is able to pull off is these ascending and descending synth sounds that increase in dynamics and volume, uh, which indicates to the listener something is about to happen. The song is going to climax in the chorus, and sure enough, it does. You're gone, but you're on my mind. I'm lost, but I don't know why. Now you know that there we've lost someone. And then the chorus sort of fades away to uh, vocals that you, it's not clear what he's saying, but you know he's repeating the lines over and over again, driving home the fact of uh, just how powerfully emotional this really is. The fact that the glass animals can pull off such an emotional, powerful song in such an emotional way, particularly after a series of songs that are uh, generally pretty energetic and uh, enthusiastic, perhaps, is a great indicator for their ability and talent as artists. Throughout this album, uh, they follow all these characters and 
write these really interesting lyrics and the music that accompanies these lyrics really does justice to the sensation that the listener perhaps might get from hearing these lyrics. That's going to effectively end today's podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you.